Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on The Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention. I'm your host. Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to today? So y'all, as we are recording this, it is the 13th of November, which I am really having a hard time getting my head around. Somebody said to me the other day, 2023, she has places to be. She is getting out of here. This year has gone so fast. And November and December are an interesting time in in many people's lives, in my life included. My husband and I had our very first date on November 8th, and so that's something that we sort of remember. We don't usually do anything big about it, but we remember it. My birthday is November 26th. Thanksgiving is coming. This year, it is not on my birthday. I was actually born on Thanksgiving. And if I had it all my way, it would have happened once, almost 59 years ago, and then never happened again. Because it's a cool thing to be able to say, I was born on Thanksgiving. And it really stinks when your birthday is on a national holiday. My My older stepson, his birthday is Christmas Day. That would suck more. So we have Thanksgiving and then we have Christmas. I am a human for whom my birthday is a big deal and Christmas is a big deal. I don't really care all that much about Thanksgiving. And this year I am getting to host my husband's family at our home. Like some other people who I'm sure are listening, my husband's mom does not think I am awesome. So I get to have my mother-in-law, who is just recently turned 90, in my home um, for Thanksgiving. And I, we, my husband and I just figured this out, that we were that we were going to do this for various reasons having to do with the health and welfare of people in our family. It's it's an important Thanksgiving. And so it was important to him that everyone was together, which, and for various reasons, it's coming to us to host. And of course, as the quote unquote woman of the house, there's all kinds of things that I feel like are expensive Expected of me and of how my house looks. I spent all weekend this last week <laughs> cleaning. People aren't coming for another week and a half. And, and I have someone, I am privileged to have someone who comes to my house <laughs> and cleans. 
So it wasn't even that kind of cleaning. Like, you know, she'll come and change the beds and vacuum and clean the toilets and all that stuff. This was all the other stuff. And so it's got me really thinking about how hooked we get by these, by these things, by these expectations. I began by saying I'm a human who loves my birthday and who loves, think, who loves Christmas. Like, and, I, and I get hooked by that in both positive and some negative ways. I have a lot of expectations around how it's going to go. Good, bad, and ugly. And so if you're one of those people too, I encourage you to, to know you're not alone, to know that it comes around every year and every year we have an opportunity to choose something different. We actually get to choose how it's going to go to a large extent. We're way more powerful than we think we are. So with that, I actually am about to transition, but I realized, Zach, did I send you the, the stuff to be able to say how you wanted to be introduced? No, no I don't think you did. I didn't see it. <laughs> Naughty. Which host. is perfect. This is perfect. It's perfect. This is a absolutely winging it introduction for me is always the best way to go. Because this is the work I do, right? I thrive in chaos. So this is perfect. All right. So I'm going to give a little what I know about Zach intro. And then Zach is going to be able to fill that in for us. And so I got to know Zach through, in the vernacular of when we were five, my very best friend in the world, kick-ass woman named Kit Cole. And when Kit says to me, oh, you've got to meet this person. I know I've got to meet this person. I hope you all have people in your lives like that, that you just, you can trust them 185%. And so she said to me, I met this cool dude. You've got to meet Zach. And one of the things that he does is work with people on organizational PTSD. And as some of you may have heard me speak about in the past, I got me some PTSD from some organizations where I used to work. And just like any place that we used to work, some of it was awesome and some of it blew chunks. And so the trick is like, because of how our brains are wired, we're always going to remember more about the stinky parts than we are about the parts that were great. And that's part of what I love about what Zach is up to. He's about helping us figure out how to live through the things that we've lived through, how to put down the junk, keep the gold. And, you know, if your life is anything like mine, we don't grow when it's 72 degrees out. We don't grow when we're comfortable. We grow through adversity. And so part of the way that I think about Zach is he helps us 
manage ourselves in the midst of the adversity and then also figure out what is the transformational growth that we want to have through that experience. So welcome to the show, Zach. And I hope I got at least enough of that right. You nailed it. You <laughs> seriously, absolutely nailed it. I'm actually blown away. I've got goosebumps right now. Aww. I'm like, whoa, she's nailing it. She sees me. It feels so good to be seen. <laughs> oh man. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to pause on that for just a second. So when Zach said, she sees me, I then got goosebumps Yeah, because that's like, that's the trick. Regardless of what situation we're in, whether it's Thanksgiving dinner, whether it's at work, whether it's our, with our friends, whether it's with our spouse or significant other, with our kids, when we feel seen and when we help another person experience being seen, being known, mm. mattering, yeah, that is when... That's when the social exchange happens. That's when the glue happens. That's what it's at least when the glue gets laid down. Yeah. And, you know, we talk so much about wanting to feel like you belong at work. That's the trick. Having yeah. people experience being seen, being known. Exactly. That's what has people feel like they belong. So thank exactly. you so much for that, for that distinction, Zach. Yeah, it's huge. And really, I mean, everything you're saying leads directly into the work I do is, is when we can't get that from organizations or we can't get that from our family, there is a path and a journey to creating that inside yourself so that you always feel seen despite the outside things that are going on around us. And that's one of the big parts of like, when you have PTSD, yeah, it's a hard thing to work through. But it really can become a huge superpower um, in every single person's life that can be used for so much good and growth if they can do the work to work through the process of moving from like the trauma to through the healing and into the thriving. And that's that's the trick is getting not getting stuck in the trauma, not getting stuck in the healing so that you can move into the thriving and living your life free of it. And how often do we end up stuck in one of those two first yeah. thoughts? Like yeah. we keep telling the story of the pain, which gets us stuck in the pain. Or mm -hmm. we, we get hooked by the healing work and, and, and stuff in the story of the healing, which sometimes exactly. is, you know, scratching, continuing to scratch at the wound. Yeah. And, and not then move into the thriving. So, so let's start a little bit where you were starting, which is this concept of PTSD, which obviously, I don't know if it originates with the, with the military, with folks in military service. Sure. That's sort of where I, I think about it being the most acute, obviously people who have, who have served and are then transitioning back and have lived through some very harrowing experiences and then trying to find their footing. Um, yeah. When we're talking about it inside an organizational context or a work context, 
what are the kinds of experiences that you find that give people this experience of post-traumatic stress disorder? Yeah, there's oh, there's a lot and we could we could spend the entire episode but, <laughs> and I can list them, right? We right. can go into them. But I think the core thing that it all comes down to is, is that your team and the people in your company and, on your, and in your business need to feel safe to yeah. verbalize. Right. And if they don't feel safe, then that is what starts leading things to PTSD. And there are other things that build on top of that, right? There's ladder climbing, there's backstabbing, there's right. gossip. There's all the things that happen when a human being doesn't feel safe. And those are all reactions to human beings not feeling safe. Right. So their egos get triggered because your ego is the number one. The ego gets a bad rap in Western culture, <laughs> right? Like, right. It gets the it gets a bad rap. We always think of it as like narcissism or like arrogance or like right. you know someone Gosh, being she's cocky so and egotistical. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, exactly. But, but we in, all have I an was, ego. So, so what is yeah. an ego? At at base in German, I was telling Chaz this, your producer earlier. Uh -huh. We were just chatting before the show started and. And in German, the word ego just means self. Huh, so okay. it is who you are in your psyche. It's, it's who you are. Your identity right. is wrapped in your ego and who you are as a person. Your consciousness is also wrapped in your ego. It's one of the things that definitely separates us from the animal kingdom and as human beings. Mm -hmm. But at its core, the ego's job is to protect you. Right. So that's its job. So when you go to cross the street, when you go to turn left or right, you do that because your ego is protecting you from getting crushed by a bus, right? Thank you, ego. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> like, thank you, ego. Yes. The challenge is when we have a significant event in our life that then causes trauma, our ego then creates this protection mechanism around that place in our life and in our psyche. And it, it becomes the overbearing parent that is, that is too protective. And then that starts regulating our nervous system around certain things which then causes us to feel fear or to feel these things that may not be present in our current reality, uh -huh. but that our ego is bringing into our present reality because it's afraid and it doesn't want to get hurt ever again. Yeah. The ego as its protective mechanism, it wants to foretell the future. Huh. If it can foretell the future, then it keeps you safe. Right. Right. So your Thanksgiving example was so perfect. Like, <laughs> yes. But the first thing, the first thing I, I do with a client is we, we talk about whatever, you know, trauma that they're feeling is the reactions that they feel in are holding them back. And they can be yeah. connected to a number of different things They can be work related or personal. Your ego doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All this. Um, exactly. So you had an event with your mother-in-law at some point. Yes. Prove to you a point that she doesn't like you. Right. This is a, a common thing that's been lost. <laughs> that's right. And we're going in, we're going into the holiday season. We are going into the in-law season. <laughs> we are going into the trauma, trauma mode season, which is why we have these family events and everybody's like on edge. Yeah. Because they're in protection mode. But some event happened, right? Something yeah. happened that created that narrative. Whether it's true or not is irrelevant because Correct. everything that happens to us matters. And everything that we perceive that happened to us also matters. And it's important <laughs> that we value both, right? Yeah. But that event then creates a trauma protection inside of you that then leads to this thing that I like to call the ego protection plan, or you become your own inner activist 
And yeah. then it's like, I will never let this happen to me ever again. So I'm not only going to protect myself from my mother-in-law, but I'm going to, on this protection plan to like, no mother-in-law should ever hurt anyone ever again. <laughs> right. And this, this is great because this is actually where, where these traumas can become our superpower. In many ways, right. like myself, it becomes your calling. You right. find your destiny in this place of, of, of deep pain. Uh-huh. But there's a turning point that either keeps us on this ego protection cycle, this ego cycle. I like to visualize it as red, like stop. This is where we yep. get stuck. And if we don't shift from the activism mode, which is normal, and that protection mode into something else, then what happens is we shift into judgment. Right. And so it's now all in-laws are bad. Got right? it. Right. And we see this in our world, in politics. We see right. it in companies, in businesses. We see this in wars. We see it in big things and in little things that everybody is on this ego protection mode that's leading them to judgment of the other being bad mm-hmm. because what the ego is doing is it's trying to stay safe by foretelling the future. Right. So this smells like, feels like what I went through. And so I instantly go into a judgment that this is good or bad, right or wrong. And then that leads me on this protection cycle, which often keeps us stuck. Yeah. Because what if, what if, what if there's a glimmer, and I'm not saying that this may be true or not, Janine, like, I don't want to give you any false hope, but what if there's a part of your mother-in-law that was also traumatized, right? Maybe yes. she was treated wrongly by her in-laws, maybe something. And so she's just stuck on this ego cycle yeah. because she doesn't know what to do with it. Right. She projects it on you. And I am right. 110% sure that, that there has been damage done to my mother-in-law by people in her life. I know enough of her story to know that absolutely that is true. And it is one of the things that gives me compassion for her. Um, And, you know, and for anybody else who's been traumatized. Okay. So let's, so let's stay on then this, this example of Thanksgiving that we're all, or many of us, we have many international listeners, so not everyone is going into Thanksgiving, sure. but we all have holidays and many of them involve family and, you know, put two family members in a room and things can get complicated. So, so I have this story that I am living into based on things that have happened in the past called my mother-in-law does not like me. And yeah. then I'm living that out as though that is the only truth in the story. Right. And so then if we don't break the cycle, that is, of course, how that's going to go, because I'm going to be showing yeah. up in a way to ensure that she continues to not right. like me. You so instantly that, show up defensive. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. most humans don't, don't like it when other humans are defensive. So it makes us weird. So then <laughs> how do we, how do I, in this situation, how do I transform this or how do I create opportunities then to have it go in a different way? So I will say, first of all, you are fully aware and you clearly understand this. So we're using this as an example. (laughs) We are, yes. (laughs) Uh, The other thing I want to mention of is that family issues are the most difficult traumas and ego things to work through. Yeah, they they somehow are are they're very deep rooted in us. They started the moment we entered this realm we call Earth, mm. and we came crying or not, and they spanked us. Do they still spank babies? <laughs> I don't know. 
when they, they come out and make do, a try. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing. Um, but like that, it started then, right? So, so the family stuff is the deepest and most difficult things. You could do years of work and I do too. And we all do years of work on family stuff alone. Yeah. And you're somebody who knows you for your whole life will find something they'll, their ego will find a part of yours that is still hurt and that will trigger the thing. Right. And so I will say this, how it begins is understanding that your triggers are actually your teacher. So the very things that make you defensive, the very things that make you scared, that make your nervous system tighten up and you start to feel that tightness in that chest or that heat in your, in your head or wherever it is that you're feeling your nervous system be triggered. These are the things to become curious about. And that's really where the work begins. So as we do the cycle, if we do the, the now leaving the ego cycle, we all have the event that caused the trauma. Yep. The trauma is within us, right? So that means there's something that we can do about the trauma and we can gain authority over the trauma and we can change that. So then everybody's, we're going to go to that, you know, ego protection mode of the activism. But the mm -hmm. first part is to take ownership. When you can take ownership and you become aware, you begin to get off the ego cycle, the ego trauma cycle, I should say. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. one of the things I'll do with the client, almost every client, my company is called Breakbox Coaching and Creative. And so what I'm really doing is I'm using psychological tools in a creative way so that create play. So that we're playing with these things because play is known scientifically mm. to increase neuroplasticity and to make changes quicker, right? That's yes. why we teach children with things of play. Yes. So the first part of, of becoming aware of that trauma so that you can then do something about it is kind of separating yourself from your ego. Yeah. So psychologists and therapists and, and us that do this work, we, we call the, you know, our identities, our true self. And then there's a false self, which is the other side of the ego. Carl Jung called this the shadow, right? Mm -hmm. So the shadow is this hurt part of ourselves where we store things and we suppress things and it's a dark area. That's why it's called the shadow. Mm -hmm. And so if we can separate the first part is for you, Janine, to name your ego. So your name is Janine. That's who you are. Yes. So what fun name represents your ego, that hurt part of you, the shadow part of you? Mine is named Chad. <laughs> there's no, no, I have, I have ch friends that are Chad. Like this is no wrongdoing on any Chad out. Yes. But my inner hurt self or what psychologists would call your inner child, or there's so yeah. many different names for it. Yeah. His name is Chad because he's entitled. He ah. is used to just getting things like easily to him and not having to do the work for them. Yep. He's, he's highly insecure. Mm -hmm. And so he's kind of like, you know, what I would imagine Chad as a frat boy uh, uh, coming elitist. out of college. Uh -huh. Yes. Elitist, yeah. like all of these things. Yeah. And Sounds so delightful. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> loves Chad. <laughs> so if you were to throw a name out for you, who's, who's, who's your false self? Well, it's funny. The first thing that came to me was Bertha. Oh, I like it. Okay. Why? Um, I think it feels like it feels heavy. Mm -hmm. It feels onerous. It feels, yeah. it feels, it yeah. feels unpleasant. Yeah, exactly. 
And the, you said the word feels a bunch. I did. <laughs> and that that is what we're getting at here, right? Uh-huh. Is to move from the logical cognitive things that are going on in our subconscious brain that our false self is bringing up and moving it to what to feeling. And when it can be very hard for some of us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most difficult part, right? So this, what we get, what gets us off that ego will after we move from activism and ego protection is awareness or ownership. So you begin to own that there is a a false self in you. There is a version of you that is hurt, that has been through some things that is protecting you. And now that you can talk about Bertha, Mm -hmm. you instantly get a smile on your face, right? (laughs) The minute I I said her name. And just and in part, I obviously I was also listening to you. And when you said Bertha that time, it yeah. was not in the way that I said Bertha. Yeah. Like exactly. when I verbalized her, it yeah. was in a very different mode. And then when you verbalized her in the in in the transitioning and the continuing of the yeah. of the healing circle of this. You put her in a different in a different space, which then made me smile. Yes, yeah, the very beginning of play. Yes, the very beginning of play, and also what I see my biggest role in as a guide here: people's transmute transmutation or like change. Yeah, out of these things, as I'm creating a safe space for Bertha. Uh huh. Like I'm I'm showing like un unconditional love to Bertha. That's my job as the guide. And I can do that because I'm separated from her. She's not like Chad. I have the hardest time loving Chad, right? Of course, right. But Bertha, I can love Bertha because she has right. not hurt me. Exactly, right? yeah. And so that's a big part of it is then my my job as the guide is to help model to you throughout these sessions that we do of how to see Bertha in a different way. Uh-huh. Because remember back when I said your triggers are your teachers? This... This there's Bertha has been crying out for decades to be heard. Right. Right. Where do riots come from? Riots come from crowds of people where their needs have not been met and they're not being heard. Right. Right. There are egos have gone through these traumas. And what we've done is we've put them in our subconscious in the shadow place that we don't want to go and we don't want to deal with. And so Bertha has been there crying out to be heard. And this is the work that, again, leads to the healing to reach our goals is actually finding a way in a space that's safe to listen to Bertha for the, for maybe for most clients for the first time. Mm. And that's where it becomes difficult. Shadow work is difficult because sure. it's taking you back to those places, not to relive the pain and like blah, 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 right? Yeah. But to hear what your true, this version of you, the false self, the ego protective self, Yes. needs to feel and needs to say. Because once we can get there, maybe there's something that happened, uh, and this is very fascinating with our psyche. Maybe there was something that happened to Bertha when she was six that created something in you that still creates this protection around in-laws or still right. creates this fear of, of uh, authority figures or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Right. The interesting thing about our psyche is whenever whatever age the trauma happened at, our psyche, our ego goes to protect it and our psyche stops developing from that age on. That's why when you get involved in relationships and you get involved in maybe a marriage, you start fighting and you're like, why do I not sound like a fucking six-year-old, right? Why can't because my husband that's how old communicate? Your psyche is. That's it. 
because yeah. that's how old that version of you is that got hurt and that you only know how to talk like a six-year-old. Wow. But what happens when you start to listen to birth of the six-year-old and you start uh -huh. to hear her most times for the very first time, something changes and you begin to feel what Bertha felt. And then, then you can, now you can do something with it. Uh -huh. Now you can process it, right? Now you can go through the grief. Now you can go through those emotions. And so what happens in the psyche is then the ego begins to trust you and it releases that grip on that trauma so that you can start to live your life free of feeling that pain mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again. I, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in, in, from what I know, from the limited amount that I know about neuroscience, one of the things that our brain does is it says, oh, this is like that other thing. That's the ego, yep. And so the more we can release our grip on those other things where trauma happened. Yeah. Then, so from a, from a psychological neurobiology, brain plasticity place, like, is it possible that those things stop living in our mind in the way that they have? Mm -hmm. Or is it just that the, that the ease of that to hook us again, like mm. that, that hook is much less yep. hooky. It's much less sticky. It's, it's a much yeah. smaller hook. Do you, yeah. do you know, a, do you have a, do you have a perspective yes. on that? That is the number one question I get. Huh. From, from client, a lot of clients in their pre-assessment session. Like, okay. Because, because Western's cult, what Western culture has taught us is how do I get rid of them? Right. <laughs> right. I don't if like not, this thing. How do I make it go yeah, away? I don't like it. How do I get rid of it? I, ha I have a military client. And when we started talking about his ego, I go, what did the military teach you to do about this fear? And he said, kill it. Right. We yeah. murder it. Right. The, that, the thing that is causing you the fear, that's what you kill. Now, I don't want to bring the, the conversation down, but how many of our military veterans suffer from then suicide, right. right? Because they were only trained one way. Now, okay, let's bring it back up. <laughs> like we're thankful for them and we want to help them. I, you know, this work does that. Yes. But what it does is if, if we live in this current of emotion that our ego is throwing us, we live in this river of emotion. Yes. When we begin working together, it's probably overwhelming. It's controlling you in a number of ways. It's causing you to project and create reactions and not grow in certain ways. What the work does is it gets Bertha to trust you so that she can then release her grip from that area. And then much like what meditation teachers say, meditation does, meditation kind of pulls you above those emotions. Uh -huh. And I can't remember his name, but his, he, has a, he has a teacher name, but I think his name is Richard Albert. He used to do a lot of work with psychedelics in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that to helping people heal from trauma. That aside, that's a whole nother thing. I've never <laughs> done them. I, I, I would love to. If you are a, like a scientific person, a guy that wants to take me on a mushroom trip, let's, but the point being is one of the things he said was, is we, when we begin to heal that place, we move out of the current and now we're standing on a bridge above it. Huh. And so we might feel it splash from time uh -huh. to time, right? but we will never be caught in the current of it again. Meaning you, you're free yeah. from it, ruling right. your life, but yeah. you're still, we never get rid of it. Right? right. And it's important to note that it's important because you, 
as you try to get rid of it, you're trying to get rid of Bertha. Right. And Bertha has a function. Yeah. And Bertha yeah. has a very, very important function, which is to keep you safe. Keep me safe. What, what you want is to develop a trusting relationship with Bertha that you've never had because you keep silencing her. Right. And it's that trust that then builds that rapport. And that's the shadow work, right? That's the hard stuff. I, I don't think, I got to be very careful when I say that as, as someone who helps people. It's very difficult to do that work alone. When you use, when you learn the tools and you learn how to do it, you, you can, and it grows. I mean, the point, unlike what I do is the point for me is to teach you how to do it so that you don't need me anymore. It's not right. like therapy. You don't go spend 10 years in therapy. You learn what you learned in therapy and, and then how to process it yourself and how to heal it yourself, which is, which is the point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's that, it's that version, that healing of that, that trust that you're building with Bertha that, that moves you above it. So that you're not in the current of it anymore. Right. So that you can see it and, right. and recognize it, but not, but not get, as I was saying, hooked by it, as you were saying, in the current of it. Yeah. And what it but, feels like is really interesting, right? So you'll, you'll, something will pop up into your head, an old story. Yep. And you'll just go, you'll laugh. You'll be like, oh my gosh, I remember when I used to, when my head would do that and bring that story to me and I would feel it. And that would ruin me for weeks. Wow. Or days or hours. Yeah. And then yeah. now you're just like, when that thought comes up, I d it doesn't bother me anymore. Like I don't feel it. And that's the thing. You're not feeling then the anxiety and the thing. Uh -huh. you're, and you're not feeling the fight or flight. Right. From it. So right. that you can make clear decisions now moving forward in your life. Brilliant. So how long do most clients work with you? Do they work with you for a year? Do they work with you for six months? Five years, yep. what's, what's sort of the duration usually? Yeah, I, I do packages of 12 weeks. Okay. And we work together for those 12 weeks and then we reevaluate. Generally, a client will have a big breakthrough with one of their ego places of protection around okay. week five, week six. It really okay. depends on how long it takes Bertha to trust me yeah. and Bertha to trust the situation, uh -huh. right? Right. But that's what I'm good at. So I'm really good at creating the safe space. And so I can, usually I it can happens feel that. halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, absolutely. And then at that point, it's then me modeling to you, you allowing the stories to come up that Bertha uh -huh. tells. And then me modeling to you, okay, when did Bertha start in that process? Huh. Right. Did it start like, for, let's just use the Thanksgiving thing. Yeah. Right. In that story, I don't remember how you specifically start it, but you're, I think it began with my mother-in-law doesn't like me. Correct. Yes. And how long have you been married? We've been together for 11 years. We've been married yeah. for five and a half. Perfect. Yeah. So that's enough time for someone to really know you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And so, yeah, then it would be like, okay, where did, where did Bertha create that story in that moment? Uh -huh. And then you, it'll help you help you to figure out when that story happened. And then it'll be, okay, when now noticing your body, where are you feeling tightness? Are you feeling in your chest or where are you feeling anxiety? And there's different parts of your nervous system that run from your brain all the way through your body. Yep. Yeah. And I'm feeling so, it right now as we're talking. <laughs> right. And you're moving your shoulders around, your, your right. neck may tighten, your back may tighten. It's different. It's not, it's similar for everybody for the most part in the general area. Yep. 
but I'll teach you then to recognize when, because your body will talk to you before your mind will. Huh. So okay. your body will begin to get into fight or flight. Your breathing might get shortened. Your neck and your back might start tightening up. Mm-hmm. And when you can read the body, then you can catch before Bertha starts to talk to you and give you a, a false story, right? Mm-hmm. This is where it comes really effective in meetings that work mm-hmm. in stressful situations, you know, all the, anywhere. Right. Because you, yeah. you can start to feel in your body what your nervous system is doing before it gets to your brain and you can stop it from projecting out of your mouth onto other people. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? Well, yeah. right. I mean, there's, there's two tricks. There's managing yeah. what's going on inside our own brain. And then there's managing what comes out of our mouth and, yeah. and making sure that the space between those two things, yeah. Bertha says something, yeah. I then might get to say something back to Bertha before yeah. then something exactly. comes out of your mouth. That I exactly. It, often how that works with me, for instance, is I'll yeah. be like, uh, in a situation, okay, okay, Chad, I hear you. Like, I, I value what you're saying right now. We will talk about that later, but now is not the time. And then I'm with a client, I'm with Janine, or I'm in a business meeting, or I'm with a CEO that has some serious ego, like the arrogance part or whatever, which yeah. is triggering me and I have to create a safe space for him, right? Yeah. Or her. But yeah, that, that feeling aspect is so, so important in understanding what your nervous system is doing and getting there. And so then... Do you go back? Because like I will say to my brain, I will say to myself, yeah, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. Then I usually don't. I usually don't close that circle with myself. So if you say to Chad, yep, Chad, I I hear you. I got it. We'll talk about this later. This isn't the time. Then do you, are, are you disciplined? Do you go back and close that circle with yourself? And is that part of what's important in this? Yeah. Yeah. This is why it's, this is why it's difficult to do alone because alone will suppress it and we'll forget. Right. But every time you see me, I'm going to bring it up. (laughs) So, so it is, and and it's really vitally important for you to go back and have that conversation with birth and for me to have that conversation with Chad, because that's how you're building the trust in the relationship. If you don't do that, then it's a mm-hmm. breach of trust. Mm-hmm. And if you breach the trust, then that just reinstills the trauma mm-hmm. and then re-puts you on the protective plan where you're not in control anymore. So it is. It's vitally important to go back and have that conversation. This is, this is brilliant. So if folks would like to get in touch with you, we will have information in the show notes, but just for the ease of folk, What's the best way to reach out to you? Probably my website, breakboxcoaching.com is the easiest way. You could read about a little bit about it. I don't talk about this process per se on the website because it's very bespoke to everybody. Sure, right. And it's very personal and very intimate. But yeah, you can connect with me there. There's click a button and you could have a, you know, we could get a free assessment. There's multiple buttons all over the website (laughs) of just getting a free assessment where we sit down for a half an hour like you and I just did. Yeah. And begin the process, you know, and really where it begins is, you know, what, what do you feel is holding you back? Yeah. Right. I have a client right now who is a director at a very big, if I said it, very big media company in the United States and globally, excuse me. And she came specifically with specific goals of like, 
I've reached a certain place in my career and I should be happy. I'm not happy. I want to be happy. Mm. Like I'm tired of this rat race that, mm -hmm. of, of happiness, of me trying yes. to like needing something else. Right. Yep. And you know, there's a number of different things you bring those, all those things are connected to Bertha mm -hmm. and something that happened. And I, I, I love saying this because comedians will joke about it right now. And they'll be like, there's a lot of people that are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's talking about trauma, this trauma, that trauma, that Look, <laughs> and it's overused, right? It's a buzzword. Yes. But the point is your nervous system rules your world, whether you That's know right. it or not, whether yep. you're conscious of it or not, and whether you're aware of it or not, and your nervous system is reacting to traumas, right. whether you're conscious of it or not, or know it or not. You can sit there and you can tell me, oh, look, there's a balloon. Sorry. <laughs> Edit the part out, Chad. Um, <laughs> I love when the balloons pop up in the Zoom meeting when somebody's burying their soul. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I forgot. I lost train of thought. Right what was I saying? Oh, my gosh. Well, let me. Yeah. You had said something that I wanted to to follow up on oh you were talking about you know it is a buzzword now that you know oh yeah and pain and blah blah yeah. and we have all collectively lived through this yeah. covid pandemic right we are still in a a place of massive sort of financial uncertainty I yeah. was I was hearing something the other day about the speed of information and it used to be that knowledge global knowledge uh 100 years ago global knowledge would double every mm. 100 years now global knowledge doubles every 8 hours wow Right. And so if yeah. it feels like things are speeding up, the pace yeah. of change is faster. It is because yeah. it is. Things are speeding up. The pace yeah. of change is faster. And our brains hate uncertainty. And yeah. so like we we are living in this sort of soup trauma where where there's all kinds of trauma and uncertainty writ yeah. large and writ small, yes. you know, wars and all kinds of things that yeah. are, are threatening to our sense of self and sense of safety. And so I, I so appreciate the work that, you are doing in in helping us navigate through mm. helping us you know even even if the only thing anybody does is hear this podcast today yeah. is is creating that distinction of there is a there is a shadow me that is reliving and connecting to my hurts and pains and that that's yeah dramatically affecting my life and yeah. you know just even that knowledge can yep. be helpful so yeah. so zach i'm noticing the time as as we were joking about before we started taping i really try to keep these to about half an hour and then <laughs> you know i do such a bad job because i find people that i find fascinating 
And then I just want to keep talking. But I am going to start wrapping this up. So I want to really appreciate you. I want to appreciate you for the consciousness that you are helping us bring to the the pain, the trauma, the things that have us get stuck. And then the deep work that you are committed to doing with yourself and others on on helping us move through this. And and the fact that, uh, you know, I wrote down our triggers are our teachers, helping us learn how to learn from the hard things that happen in life. I want to really... Thank you. Appreciate you for for both that work, for who you be in doing that work, and for the brilliance that you bring to this arena, and for Thank sharing you. it all with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, and it's I really appreciate it because again, I feel super seen by you, and it's it feels wonderful. And like you said, that as everything in the world is speeding up, yeah. that's where this work is becoming even more important because we need to find a way to slow down our inside. And it's not, it's not ignoring the world around us, right? It's not not engaging in it. It's not moving at a fast pace. As leaders, we like to move at a fast pace. We want to get shit done, right? Right. But imagine doing that with an inner world that's calm and that's at peace and that feels like you're going slow. I said this to my partner and it changed her life because she owns two businesses. I said, we were in New York and she built her business in New York. And I went on a job with her and I was like, I was like, baby, are we late? And she's like, (laughs) Like, no, I was like, why are we running then? Like, I don't understand why we're walking so fast. We're not late. Are you in a hurry? She's like, no, I go stroll, baby, stroll. Like, and she goes, oh, I'm only going fast because I'm back in New York. Right. Right. It's like, you can go fast in New York. She's, her business is doing great. But you can be at a pace to where actually going, going slow is going fast. Right. Because imagine that your insides are so at peace that you're able to make calm decisions, rational decisions, quick decisions. You're able to have that inner conversation with Bertha in a moment that doesn't affect your meeting. It's going slow to go fast. Yeah. So that we can really make change happen and live the lives we want, right? So it's beautiful. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for having me on. It's been super fun. Breakboxcoaching.com. I'd love to chat. I love talking. So I'm like you. <laughs> I'm going to talk for hours. For hours. <sighs> it, is, it has truly been my honor. I am Janine Hamner-Holman, and this has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been the cost of not paying attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams. I'm
Katrina. I'm beginning to think I'm beginning